And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We hear this from St. Paul in his letter to the church at Ephesus. And this work of equipping the saints for the building up of the body of Christ is still carried on in hundreds of thousands of Catholic parishes after almost 2,000 years. In his work as a priest and an evangelist in the Diocese of Fort Worth, Father Eric Voles shares the Word of God with us that we might be built up into the fullness of Christ. Now, from All Saints Anglican Church, here is Father Eric Voles equipping the saints. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, one God. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. How many of you uh, remember that song way back in the 1940 hymnal days and you wanted to go, Amen? Sorry, I missed it. So, uh, anyway, uh, Amen. Praise God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Well, as we continue to think of praising Him, we are brought this morning to the feast of Christ the King, whereas we prepare for Advent on this last Sunday before we begin that process of introspection, uh, that time of, ironically, a little bit of self-denial, and a time of prayer as we prepare for the nativity of Christ, we, for this last occasion before the next four weeks, will honor Him as King. You remember last week we talked about the themes of Advent. The theme of the nativity of Jesus Christ when he came and was incarnate by the Virgin Mary and our Lord and our God, the eternal Son of the Father, put on flesh, as St. John said, and dwelt dwelt among us. The second theme you'll see in Advent is the theme of Christ's second coming, where Christ will come with glory to judge the world with a rod of iron, where we will be judged, the living and the dead, or as we say, the quick and the dead. As we prepare for this season of Advent, the church calendar draws on us to bring our hearts and our minds to making that commitment to make Christ king over our lives. It requires us at these times to do a little bit of introspection. As we say, uh, Advent is not really a little Lent, But some of the same themes are found in it. Part of what we are to focus on during these next four weeks as we begin next week with Advent is to discern how my life in Christ is going. Perhaps you, like many, will will make a confession during the season of Advent. Perhaps you will use this time to look at your various sins and probably focus like many of us do on gluttony because it's hard to not see all the sugary sweets. What a horrible time for me to start a new diet. As one of the great teachers of the faith, a a guy I've been reading lately who's just been profound, St. John of Kronstadt, he asked this question, and I thought it was a good one. But how are we to know if we have found Christ and are close to him? And how he answers this is, is... Pretty, pretty, pretty striking. He said, those close to Christ often turn to him in prayer with faith and love. They often pronounce from their heart his sweetest of names. And often they call upon him for help. They often read or listen to his word 
with childlike simplicity and love. They seek frequent union with Him in His life-giving mysteries. They are satisfied with whatever they have and accepting of what happens to them. They strive according to their strength to fulfill Christ's commandments. It happens, though, that they also experience trials, which are allowed by the loving Master in order that their hearts be cleansed of every sinful impurity. And he closes, those who desire to be with Christ must not run away from trials. And even in times of joy, they must not forsake the carrying of their cross. Today, as we think about what it means to make Christ our King, we must look to Christ Himself because we are called to imitate Him. As St. Saint, uh, Saint, uh, Paul said, if I can get it on my head there, what St. Paul said is that we are to imitate God as beloved children and walk in love. We to imitate Christ in His humility where being God from God, light from light, very God, He left the throne of heaven with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, humbled Himself to be born in human flesh of the Virgin Mary, His mother, and to live a life with us, to become like us, so that He, through His cross and death, would destroy death, destroy sin, and bring us to new life in Christ. Perhaps you notice this, and it slips your attention, and it reminded me, every time I preach, I'm standing up here, behind me is the symbol of the cross. One, it's to remind me, the preacher, that as I come, I'm to die to myself and bear the cross so that with passion and without any hesitation preach the gospel to you because our salvation is at stake, but also for you to be reminded through the words of the preaching of the gospel of what the King of glory and the crown that He wore, what He did for us. Ultimately, to see Christ as the King of kings and Lord of lords is to also see Him as the suffering servant. To see Him as the one who humbled Himself and gave His life for you and for me that we might have new life. Celebrating the feast of Christ the King is a joyous occasion. We sing, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Later we'll, think, we'll sing, crown Him with many crowns. Yet we have to ask the question, have we crowned Him the King of our hearts? St. John, who I mentioned earlier, also is famous for writing his personal preparation for making confession. He was a priest, and he would make confession. And I guess as he was thinking about how do I do this rightly, he sat down and actually wrote this preparation, and it's really powerful where we have to ask the question as we come before His throne room, as we acknowledge Him as King, as we see the Christus Rex on the altar with Him with a crown on His head, with His arms outstretched, as we behold the Lamb of God, we must ask these questions as well. Have we made our hearts a throne room for Him? 
Would it befit the king to have his throne room unattended to, dirty, filthy, with no court, with no subjects? Have we made the throne room of our hearts a fit place for him to be enthroned? And as St. John was thinking about this, this is the preparation he made. And as I read through this, it's a, it's a little longer than normal, but, but each thing he says is piercing. Not because I'm so enamored with the fact that this priest was a sinner, I know I am, but how much I reflect that life as a priest. And I imagine you guys reflect it as well. Each of these things reminds us and calls us to the places in our hearts where we have not made Christ king as we all walk on our journey to put him on the throne and acknowledge him. So here's this preparation, and here's how he begins. He said, I, a sinful soul, confess to our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ of all my evil acts which I have done, said, or, through, or thought from baptism even until this present day. And he begins to list these thin, sins. Perhaps these will resonate with you because they certainly resonate with me. He says and confesses, I have not kept the vows of my baptism, but have made myself unwanted before the face of God. Wow. I have sinned before the Lord by lack of faith and by doubts concerning the faith and the holy church by ungratefulness for all of God's great and unceasing gifts. His long-suffering and His providence for me, a sinner, by lack of love for the Lord, as well as fear, through not fulfilling the holy commandments of God and the canons and rules of our church. I have not preserved a love for God and for my neighbor, nor have I made enough efforts because of laziness and lack of care to learn the commandments of God and the precepts of the Holy Fathers. I have sinned by not praying in the morning and in the evening and in the course of the day, by not attending the services or by coming to church only half-heartedly, lazily, and carelessly, by conversing during the services, by not paying attention, letting my mind wander, and by departure from the church before the dismissal and the blessing. And there he's referring to the practice of receiving communion and kind of taking off out the side doors. Uh, I was at a church once uh, that had a sign in the back that said, Judas left early too. Ouch. He continues. I have sinned by judging members of the clergy. Remember, he's a priest writing about other members of the clergy. He continues. I have sinned by not respecting the feasts, by breaking the fasts, and by immoderation in food and drink. I have sinned by self-importance, disobedience, willfulness, self-righteousness, and the seeking of approval and praise. I have sinned by unbelief 
lack of faith, doubts, despair, despondency, abusive thoughts, blasphemy, and swearing. I have sinned by pride, a high opinion of myself, narcissism, vanity, conceit, envy, love of praise, love of honors, and by putting on airs. I have sinned by judging, malicious gossip, anger, remembering of offenses done to me, hatred, and returning evil for evil, by slander, reproaches, lies, slyness, deception, and hypocrisy, by prejudices, arguments, stubbornness, and an unwillingness to give way to my neighbor, by gloating, spitefulness, taunting, insults and mocking, by gossip, by speaking too much, and by empty speech. He continues, and this this keeps going, I have sinned by unnecessary and excessive laughter. Think about that one. By reveling and dwelling upon my previous sins. I, I, I'm, I struggle with that one. By arrogant behavior, insolence, and lack of respect. I've sinned by not keeping my physical and spiritual passions in check. By my enjoyment of impure thoughts, licentiousness, and unchastity in thought, words, and deeds. I've sinned by lack of endurance towards my illnesses and sorrows. A devotion to the comforts of life. And by being too attached to my parents, children, relatives, and friends. I've sinned by hardening my heart. Having a weak will. And by not forcing myself to do good. I've sinned by miserliness. A love of money, the acquisition of unnecessary things, and immoderate attachment to things. I have sinned by self-justification, a disregard for the admonitions of my conscience, and failing to confess my sins through negligence or false pride. I have sinned many times by my confession by belittling others, justifying, and keeping silent about sins. I have sinned against the most holy and life-giving mysteries of the body and blood of our Lord by coming to holy communion without humility or the fear of God. I have sinned in deed, thought, and word Knowingly and unknowingly, willingly and unwillingly, thoughtfully and thoughtlessly. And it is impossible to enumerate all of my sins because of their multitude. But I truly repent of these and all others not mentioned by me because of my forgetfulness. And I ask that they may be forgiven through the abundance of the mercy of God. Of God. Whew. Right? 
Bring that to confession and advent, man. That's great. I'm going to have to bring this to uh, Bishop Ackerman at clergy retreat this year. So, I wonder what his penance would be. <laughs> he probably will say, go in peace, I think. But what St. John was trying to remind us by this rather long preparation for confession is that really the sins that we have in our life and the things that we keep going back to that distract us from a, a courageous and a powerful relationship with Christ are really simply the areas in life where we have decided through our own will not to give Jesus Christ lordship, kingship over. It's not saying we don't sometimes fall. But when any of these things we've just talked about master our lives instead of Christ, it's an evidence that we have not put him on the throne in that area. They used to say, how do you stop sinning? And then there's, there's another ad, ad, way of looking at it. How do you eat an elephant? Right? You guys know that. One bite at a time. How do you become holy? By conquering one sin at a time. Don't focus on the whole list, but during this time, be thankful for, for the Lord Jesus and what He has done for us, and find that sin which most besets us and attack it with a reckless abandon to conquer it in the name of Christ. That's simply what being holy means, is through cooperation with the Holy Spirit, through the grace of God. To attempt, as the scripture says, to take every thought captive to Christ. We fall and we plead on his great mercy. As we go into the season of Advent, we'll be presented these four weeks with the commandments of God. We'll be presented the next few weeks with the judgment of God. We'll be presented the next few weeks with the love of God. And we'll be presented the next few weeks with the hope of God of a Savior who by His life, death, resurrection, and ascension has taken His seat in the throne of heaven as King of kings and Lord of lords. Let us pray for the grace and the mercy of God in our hearts to put Him on the throne of our hearts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs>